thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today I'm going to be talking about relationships. I'm going to be talking about making our relationships better. I know this, that relationships affects every single one of us in this room. And there are a lot of things that make relationships healthy. We have proactive things that we can do to make um, our communication healthier, or our connection healthier. But we also know that there are things that break down relationships. Amen? Sadly, there are things that break down relationships. And God's going to do something in some of our relationships today. He's going to address some things in our hearts. And, and, I, and I know any time that, that we, as we lean into this today, it's probably going to maybe expose some areas of our lives that we maybe don't want exposed. It's going to reveal some areas of our life we were just hoping we could just keep down there and stuff away. But the reality is this, if you, you, know, if you stuff things down, it will come out at some point and usually at the most unexpected times. And God wants to bring you freedom. He wants to bring you healing. He wants to meet you where you are today. He wants you to be healthy in your relationships as we move forward in what God's called us to do. It's a passion of my heart, and I hope that you sense it. Every time I speak or or minister, it's always been something in, in my life and Cheryl and I's life together. We always want to move forward. I do not believe that God has a reverse button. I don't think he does. I think that everything is about forward motion in our relationship with God and forward motion in ministry. And so as I prepare this message, I'm always thinking, how can I move forward in my relationships and how can I help us move forward in our relationships? So just for the sake of that, can we all say forward today? Come on, say it like you mean it. Forward. And we're going to move forward in our relationships. And so there are things in our lives that do hurt our relationships. Those things... Um, and, and those things, in, interesting enough, the things that hurt our relationships, the things that hinder our relationships, actually have existed from the beginning of creation. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, that there are things that are, that are connected to some dysfunction, not from your grandparents or your parents. They're connected all the way back to grandmammy and grandpappy Adam and Eve. It started there. And we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis this morning and begin to look at, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 because this is where all the problems began. God created a family. He created a garden for them to live in. He created a world for all of us, for humanity to live in perfection. And Adam had everything he could possibly want except he was lonely. He needed somebody. He didn't have a mate, so God gave him Eve and created Eve out of his rib. And I, this is one of my thoughts. Is this, I think God made Adam and he thought, you know what, I can do better. And then he made Eve, you know. <laughs> All the women say amen. Okay, good, good, good. But God created Adam's helpmate. He created someone for him to, to, to be with him, to, to give him intimacy in his life and for Eve as well with Adam. He created a partner for life, and he made, made her out of his rib. Have you ever wondered, wondered why the rib? 
Why not some other, some other part of us? Why not his head? Why not? Well, this is something I share at every wedding I do. This is what I tell them. He didn't take her from his feet where he would lord over her. He didn't take her from his head where she would lord over him. But he took his wife from his side where she would be his equal, his partner. He took her from the rib close to his heart as a symbol that she would be deeply loved and protected by him. Amen? And their relationship was perfect. Now today, this message will, will pertain to every relationship that we have because it deals with really what's going on in us. But their relationship as husband and wife was perfect. Listen to what it was like. There was no competition, no jealousy, no sadness. They never fought over the remote or what, what they were going to have for dinner. Ever. It didn't happen. No sickness, no sorrow. No suffering, perfect trust, no deceit, no lying, no manipulation, no hiding. None of these things were in their relationship. They were perfect. If this was the only couple on the face of the planet that has ever had a perfect relationship. Adam and Eve. The only one. Because after this moment, at that point, their relationship changed. It didn't become perfect anymore. But up to a certain moment, which I'll talk about in just a moment, it was perfect. But because of sin entered the world, everything was broken, including relationships. And we know the story. It's Satan comes to Eve in the garden and he lies to her. And he says this, did God really say you, you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Which was a lie. God didn't say that. That, that was totally a lie. God said this, there's only one tree that you cannot eat from. There's only one. Everything is yours. You can have everything here. Do whatever you want in the garden. Have a good time. Enjoy this perfect climate. Perfect everything. And, but there's just one tree off of limits. Just one tree. And so why did God do that? Well, if only God would have not given the tree, then, then we'd be hanging out there today. But the reality is as God gave a choice. He had to give a choice because, because God was saying this, I want you to choose to love me. I don't want to force you. I don't want to create a static environment where that all you, that you can't do anything that would, that would violate our relationship. And so this is what happened in the garden. Satan says, well, listen, Eve, God's lying to you, actually. You're not going to die if you eat of, this, of the fruit of the tree that he told you not to. In fact, now listen, in fact, Eve, you will be like God. You, you, you will be, God doesn't want you to eat of it because he doesn't want any competition. And so this reality, what I just said, this is the root of every temptation that Satan tempts us that you could be like God. You can do your own thing. Every temptation comes with this basic issue, the truth of this issue. I want to be God. And here, here's the reality. Satan never tempts us to be like him because who wants to be like that idiot, right? He doesn't tempt us, hey, if you'll do this, you'll be more like me. No, he never says that. He says this, if you will fall into this temptation, you'll be like God. That's why Satan actually fell from his relationship with God, because he wanted to be like God. He wanted everything that God had. He wanted it in his life. 
And he wanted to be the center of attention. But God, sorry, but Satan says, eat this tree, Eve, and you will be like God. He lied to her. And Satan sounds like the same thing today. Actually, this, again, I, I just, before, I don't want to move on for this just for a moment. I, I feel like we need to understand, if this is it, that Satan tempts us. Then says, listen, if you will do this, I, God, I, listen, did God really say you aren't to live this way? Did God really say, and you think, well, I don't know, but I think I know better than God. So therefore, I will become like God. But this is what it sounds like today. You know what? Go ahead and do it. Satan comes to us. He tempts Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and, and, and just step into that. Because, uh, you know, all the ways of God, are they're, they're really not for us today. They're not relevant today. I mean, all of the scriptures, some of it's relevant. Not all of it's relevant today. Because God's out of date. Because God doesn't, really what it is, Satan says, listen, God doesn't want you to be happy. That's really what it is. You should, you should do this because you know what will make you happy more than God. And then we step into that. So we pick up the story here leading up to this place of Eve out of Genesis chapter 3 and says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, And the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. This is is where shame and guilt came from at this moment right here. Up to this moment, there was no shame, no guilt in people's lives. They didn't feel it. Adam and Eve had never felt it at all. And now shame enters the world, the feeling in the gut, in the pit of our stomach. They never felt shame. They never had any guilt. They had, here's, they had never felt any fear of anything. And then the scripture goes on to say, Genesis chapter 3, 8 through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. This is Adam responding. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Everyone say afraid. Afraid. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then it says, "The the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And then we pick up in Genesis 3, 16 through 19. This is what happened. This is, this is the, the outcome, the fallout from sin. And this is what we're going to be looking at today, how this has destroyed or is destroying our relationships. But there is hope. And to the woman, he said this, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Because Adam and Eve thought, you know what, God, we don't want to do it your way. God then allowed them to do it their way, but there were consequences. In pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. And he shall rule over you. This is the beginning right here. This is where conflict Relational conflict, this is, this is beginning to define the issues that are going to be in marriage. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be the domination issues. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be a power struggle because of sin. 
And this is what all of us are walking in and dealing with in our own relationships, in our own marriages. So then he goes on and speaks, and um, sorry, God speaks to Adam and says, then to Adam he says, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and you've eaten from the tree in which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. There's a lot of things, a lot of truths in this passage, but today I want to specifically talk about the relational truths so that we can understand where we are today, why we are the way that we are today. And there's a lot of hopes and a lot of dreams and relationships. We all have them. But there are also these things called fears in relationships. And that fear stems from this relationship we just read about. They were afraid. It was at this moment that fear entered the relationships between man and woman. And we're afraid of things. We're afraid of things and we don't realize it or not. It actually affects deeply our relationships with one another. And those things keep us distant from, distant from others and they keep us distant from God and it keeps us distant from those that we love and we don't even know it. So the question is this, what are we then afraid of in our relationships as we look from the truth of this story? What are we afraid of? We have fear of, number one, we have a fear of rejection. This is really comes from, from, from sin. This is all from sin. This keeps us at a distance from those we love and those we need in our lives. Because I'll tell you why, there are things in us that we don't like about ourselves. Amen? There are things in us we can't stand about ourselves. Things we don't like about us. And the fear is, if you see them, you will reject me for what I know is really inside of me. And so there's this fear of rejection. So this keeps us from being honest. It keeps us from being real. And it keeps us from being intimate. The three things that are built, what a relationship is built on, that there's honesty and, there's, and there's, we're real and we're intimate. We all crave those things. But it is this, this fear of rejection that actually keeps us from feeling and walking in the deep desire that all of us have in relationship. This is not just marriage. This is in church. This is in, in any other type of relationship, friendships and colleagues, people we work with. Genesis 3.9 says this, Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He was hiding behind trees that God had created because he was afraid if God saw him for really what had happened and saw him face to face that God would reject him. That was his worst fear, the fear of rejection. And our fallenness from Adam affects us. Jesus came to make us whole, to make, give us life, to meet us, to help us, to, to help us achieve what he's called us. He's called us to give us intimacy and relationships that we so deeply, deeply desire. But we are going to spend our whole lives working through all the things sin brought into our lives. We're, gonna, we're just going to do it. It's just one of those things we've got to work through. 
But God, through his power and through his grace, can help us become healthier in our relationships. And we're going to have to deal with, we're going to have to recognize what sin and what fear brings into our lives as we relate to others. I guarantee you that there are people here today, and I know there are, that fear of being rejected has kept you at a distant at a distance from people that you thought, man, I really would like that. I really would like that relationship. I really like to be a part of a group or a team. I think rejection probably keeps a lot of people from joining small groups. The one thing that could just really help you and you can help other people, we're a family here. It keeps us because we're afraid. What if I, what if I show up and they don't like me? Or, well, I'm, I'm not spiritual enough. What if they find out I'm not spiritual? What if they find out I haven't memorized the Bible? <laughs> and the enemy tells, and it's fear, 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 rejection. They won't accept you. They'll reject you. This is just like every other church you've been in. They're going to just keep you out of existence. And so that which we crave and desire and long for, fear keeps us from it. And that is a result of sin. But there are people who are so afraid that, uh, that you feel, feel like you want to lead a small group, but then you're afraid that, yes, but what if people find out that, uh, that I don't have a doctorate in theology? Or you want to serve on an impact team and you think, yes, but I'm afraid if I get involved, then people will reject me. And so you think, you know, I'm afraid of rejection, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide behind trees and protect myself. I'll stay at a distance, but I'll protect myself. And what this does is we are missing out on what God has for you, not just in church relationship, in our marriages, in our relationship with our children, in our relationship with our in-laws, and the relationships with all of us in this room. God's desire, my friends, is that we would begin working our way back to the original plan of relationships from the garden. Now, we won't get there on this earth, but we can get healthier when we look at Adam and Eve's encounter with God, we see something that is in all of us. We see it. We see it permeating through, through, their, through their lives. And it's this number one. This is what's in their life. It's shame. They're dealing with shame. This whole idea, the fear of rejection, really, really the root of it is this, this reality of shame. Once they disobeyed God, the first thing that entered their relationship was shame. So when you disobey God, shame comes in our relationship. It says they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so what are we afraid of? Whatever it is that we're fearing is often based because there is a low-grade reality of shame in us. And when we carry shame, this is what happens. When we carry it, we're easily embarrassed. When we care shame, we, are, we, we will try to avoid embarrassment at all costs. Not, like, we'll do whatever. You'll do almost anything to keep from being embarrassed. And that's the symptom that all of us, all of us here, are carrying unresolved shame in our lives. Shame makes us more self-conscious. It makes us think that everybody's looking at us. Everybody's judging us. You, you walk in a room, you feel like everybody's talking about you. You see someone whispering, then they must be whispering about me because shame makes me fearful of being humiliated. This may not even be shame of any sin in your life. It could just be shame that's just been cast on you, projected on you from somebody else. 
And so we think this, I'm going to avoid shame at all costs. Shame means this also, that I'm easily offended. Because if, if you have any of those things in your life, it means that there's something in us that we just haven't surrendered to God and said, Lord, I don't want to carry the shame anymore. And we haven't let him take it away so that we can be healthier in our relationships. But then when we feel shame, most of the time, instead of being honest, instead of being honest, we try to project it somewhere else. Shame loves to project on everybody else. I feel so shameful, I'm going to make sure you feel shameful about something. And then what leads us to the next one, just as we saw from Adam and Eve, is number two, we try to hide behind fig leaves. And how many know, for some of you who are kind of larger like me, it takes a lot of fig leaves to do that, doesn't it? We try to, they, they, they made garments of fig leaves. And when they felt shame, and they knew they were flawed, and they knew they were naked, Genesis 3, 7, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. We started hiding. We started hiding. Today, we still hide behind fig leaves. We just call them different things. It's whatever we use to cover up your fears, whatever you use to cover up your insecurities. Whether it's humor or whether it's whatever it is that we're trying to, to, to make sure that nobody can get too close to us. Or we cover insecurities by presenting an image that you're all put together. You got the right clothes. You, you got the right accessories. You got the right watch. Or you, you got the right hair. You drive the right car. You live in the right neighborhood. Or you use the right words. And there's nothing wrong with all of those things. It's if the motive of all of that is to cover up, is to, is to project an image on something else and protect you, then you are hiding and you are not living the life that God has for you in the context of relationships. Today, a lot of people, and especially, I mean, this is an epidemic. Everyone hides behind the online image. Like, you, you never see somebody in there, like, take a picture of, like, you know, hey, really, really had a bad fight with my wife tonight. I'm hungry, and I'm going to have a sore back because I'm sleeping on the couch. Good night. <laughs> Nobody puts that on there. It's like eating out at the second most expensive restaurant in Denver again. Click, click, smile. With your wife, wife smile, and you put your heads together, smile, click, click, and then you just scoot the different sides of the table and you eat your food. Because it's like, what? let's portray, we're hiding our insecurities, our shame, our guilt, the reality of really what's going on, on our online, behind our online image. Our life is perfect. Not everything in our life is fun. Everything is the greatest thing ever. Hey, got a flat tire. What a great opportunity. Now, I want to give you a little key that I believe this is actually true. People who try so hard on social media to be perfect are really revealing the fears and the insecurity in their life. But all of us try to cover up. All of us have our fig leaves. All of us do. And when we do this, when we try to hide, number three, what happens? It creates distance in our relationship. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. It created distance, both with others and with God. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid from God in, 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 the, in a garden that God created. But this thing of hiding 
It causes us not to be disconnected from God, but from others. Shame keeps us from being real and honest and authentic. That's what shame does. And as a relationship, without honesty, without authenticity, it is not a relationship. And so all these things we have to wrestle with, it's, it's what we've inherited as sin in our own lives. But here's, I want you to hear me for a moment. God does not expect you to be perfect. But he does expect you to be honest. He does expect you to be real. One of the things about church that I grew up in, I just, I, 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 I always saw like, how come nobody's real? How come nobody's just honest? And church should not be a place that you, you got to come in and be, listen, sweetheart, get your face on because here we go. We're going to church. She'd be like, I'm going to church because I need somebody to pray for me. I need to encounter God because I'm hurting. I need to find my small group leader and, and be like, hey, will you pray for me? I need to find my friend and say, hey, listen, I'm going through a tough, tough afternoon. Hey, listen, we don't have any food in the cupboard. Can we come over for lunch at your house? That's what church should be like. But it creates distance when we begin to cover up. So the first fear is the fear of rejection, which causes me to be distant. The second is the result of shame, result of fear. Because I am afraid of rejection, I become defensive. I, I, I become defensive, man. I, don't you say, if, I, if there is one word that you say to me that could be taken the wrong way, I'm going to take it the wrong way. I'm going to get defensive against you. God says this in Genesis chapter 3, he says, he says, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman. <laughs> you gave to me, to be with me. She gave me the tree and I ate it. He's blaming two people in this statement. Do you catch it? He's blaming God and he's blaming the woman. He's not just blaming God. He's blaming the God of the universe. Well, you made me marry her. <laughs> God, if, if you had to give me the woman, it'd just be you and me. Man, we'd be hanging out. We'd be naming, like, new animals and hanging out and playing football. And, but, you, but, but you gave me the woman. But even, even precious Eve, Eve even blames. But, here, but, but first, Adam's blaming this. He's blaming, now listen to this. He's literally blaming everyone on the planet. <laughs> He's like, who do I have to, here, she's it. That's all there is. He's passing the responsibility. He's deflecting. He's projecting um, guilt. He's projecting shame. It's, he's just projecting it, everything. He cannot come to grips with, I screwed up, God. But it's her fault. It's your fault. It's a sin. This is what sin does in our relationships. And so even precious Eve, sweet Eve gets defensive. And the Lord says to the woman, what have you done? And the woman says, well, the serpent deceived me. It was the serpent that made me do it. 
And this happens in our relationships in marriage a lot, all the time. The fear of rejection causes us to be defensive. If anybody says anything to you, if your wife says something to you that you feel has a hint, a hint, or could be something of disapproval, you get defensive. The same way, if the husband says something that, that you know, hey, what are we going to have for dinner? And you're defensive because you're like, what, you don't think I've thought about what we're going to have for dinner? No, I didn't say that. I just asked, what are we going to have for dinner? And we immediately get defensive, and, and this is what happens. We either explain it instead of taking responsibility. We deflect it, or we project it, or we attack, or we accuse, or we excuse, and we say something harsh, and, and, and we're angry, and we try to intimidate. Well, listen, if I can't excuse or, or reason it away, I'll just say something that causes you to back off. So fear of rejection causes me not to get close to others. My fear of rejection makes me defensive. And they're really, if you boil it all down, they're really just ways we're trying to control the situation. We're trying to control everything around us so that we can feel good about us. Because we have a fear of losing control. So we do things to control people and control situations, which brings us to the last one, number three, my fear of losing control actually makes me controlling. Have you, have you often wondered, why do I struggle with, with controlling everything? Because you're afraid of losing control. It's based on a fear. Remember, Remember this, everything in Genesis chapter 3 past the fall is the result of sin. It was not the model that God had laid out how he wants for your relationships to be. So with that to be said, let let, let me read to you what's going to happen between man and woman. Remember, this is the result of sin. This is not like, oh, isn't that wonderful? This is the result of sin. Genesis 3.16 says this, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now, when you first read that, you think, what's that? Listen, this word desire is used in three different other places. The exact exact Hebrew word, which actually means this, your desire, or it's you you will have a, a struggle to control your husband. And this same thing is saying this, and he shall struggle to control you. So the wife will want to control the husband, and the husband will want to control the wife. How many know that's a recipe for disaster? And it happens all the time. This is going to create conflict. And then the, one of the other things is, as well is that, is that the desire to control for, for the husband, for the wife. And then later on it says that in his desire will be to work the fields. So... It's not this reciprocal desire. And so she, she's wanting to be intimate with him, and he's wanting to be intimate with his work. Does that sound familiar? And it's these things we're, we're missing. And all of this is a result of sin. And all of this control is based from fear of losing control. And any controlling or, or oppressive behavior in a marriage, in a relationship, please hear me. If you're dating someone who's controlling and oppressive, text them right now and break up with their hiney butts right now. I think that's the first time I've used hiney at church. Anyway, do it 
run. Or if this is in any relationship or, or, or controlling oppressive behavior in a marriage, it's revealing that someone is afraid, insecure, and riddled with fear. If you, if you are engaged to marry this individual, it's not too late. And I'm being honest with you. The more insecure we are, the greater the need to control. The greater the need. If you're a secure person, you don't have to have your way all the time. If you don't get it, that's okay. No big deal. It doesn't bother you. You don't have to have your way because you're secure. It's no big deal. But if you're insecure, then you really have to have your way all the time. You have to fight for your way. You have to manipulate for your way. You got to push for your way. You got to control to get your way. And the more out of control you feel, the more controlling you become. This is all based from here. The sin is going to cause a desire for men to control women, and the sin is going to be a desire for women to control men. Now, if we were all honest in here, we would say, that's true. That's true. And so how do we control? We will manipulate. Because we're Christians, we don't want to be too blatant about it. We try to control by gossip or control by talking to this person to get something to come back around to hear in, in our... Listen, this happens in church relationships. This happens in small group relationships. This happens in marriage relationships. This is the result of sin in this thing that we call relationships. And here's the reality. All of us know and we hear these things today and we think, man... I know, that's, yep, yep, that's me, yep, I got that, yeah, I'm dealing with that. None of us want to live this way. None of us want to. It's a result of sin, and God has a solution, though, to our fears that sabotage our relationships. So I just want to look at, just briefly, the solution to fear-filled relationships. This, this comes, the basis of all of this, as of 1 John 4.18 says this. Perfect love drives out fear. Say this with me. Perfect love drives out fear. Newsflash to all of us. There's only one love that is perfect. And that's God's love. God's love is the only thing that can calm your fears, that can give peace to your heart. Even, even if we are masters at controlling if we position our lives so no one can reject us, we can defend ourselves. I mean, we're the best defense lawyers of ourselves ever. And we, can, we can control everything. We can control everybody. We are masters at manipulation. We know how to leverage things and people to get everything to work out the way we want it to work out. The only true solution, though, to overcoming your fear in your relationships is to run and trust in God's perfect love. That's it. So how do we live in the light of God's perfect love? Number one, daily remember how much God loves you. Daily rehearse in your mind how much God loves you. He values you. He calls you his own. You're, you're his precious, precious daughter and precious son. 
Listen, if you think that you will remove your fear of relationships by rehearsing how much someone else loves you, you're going to come up short every time. And that's a lot of times we find our security in our relationships based on how much the other person shows us love. And so we're like, but show me more love, show me more love, now I'm secure. And then we try to do things or to manipulate or to shame or to guilt to get them to show us more love so that we feel more secure. But here's the reality, they are imperfect, they will never meet your needs and remove your fear of relationships. We put people in the middle in, in God's place because we look to them to meet us. We look to them to make us feel secure. We look to them to, to make me feel like, yes, I am loved. But here's the reality. Their love is imperfect and so is yours. Daily rehearse how much God loves you. Rehearse what God has done for you. Remember all the things that you did to deserve God's extravagant love. What are they? Well, listen, I guess I was, I'm full of pride. I'm self-willed. I decide to go my own way. I, I, I sin. I, uh, I violate his law. Here's, guess what? We did nothing to deserve it. You need to live in that world because if you think you did something to deserve, deserve God's love, it means that you can do something to lose God's love. And God wants you secure in his love and his passion for you. We must remember every day the way that God loves you because if you don't feel loved by God, you're certainly never going to be able to offer anyone else love. If you don't feel loved, you're not going to be able to be loving. It's impossible to be loving and not feel love. Rehearse in your mind that while you were a sinner, while you, you were lost, God sent his only son to die for you. God sent him. He, he allowed him to suffer for you. He, he, he allowed him to take everything that you deserve upon himself. Rehearse what God thinks about you, not what the world thinks about you. But what does God think about me? Just stop for God, what do you think about me? This is what will remove your fears. His love is perfect. His love is unconditional. He accepts me even when I don't accept myself. I'm completely free from my sin. He doesn't hold anything against me. And even in my own brokenness as a Christian, even when I fail, Romans 8.1 is true, that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for you. Fear says this, you will be punished for your sin. The Bible and God says this, the punishment that you deserved was upon my son, Jesus Christ. So you are free from any condemnation or punishment because of Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. That's it. That what you deserve, Jesus took upon himself. That's why you can boldly say, God, I'm feeling condemned. God, I'm feeling fearful. God, but there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because he looks at you. He sees you like he sees his own son. You were clothed in Jesus' righteousness, not your righteousness. So even when you fail and you fall and you think God is far from me, God doesn't love me. When God looks to you, he doesn't see your flaws. He sees his son's righteousness. That should blow our minds. And we rehearse what God thinks of us. 
Number two, how do we live in the light of God's love? Daily give up control to God. Daily give up. God, today I give you control. Lord, I'm confessing to you that I am a control freak and I need your help. Lord, I, am, I can sense I'm fearful. I'm, I've already tried to work out a strategy how I can relieve this fear by controlling other people. God, I don't want to do that. Lord, I just want to give up control to, as an act of your will. God, today I'm going to put my, I, I, I'm not going to put demands on my relationships because I fear not being in control. I'm not going to be controlling and make everyone else around me walk on eggshells to make them feel like they need to please me first before they please God. God, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to walk in, in your love and give you control. Matthew 6.34 says this, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So every day, say, God, today I give you control. And the last one is this, daily love and serve others. This is how you live in the freedom and the light of God's love. Daily love and serve others. John 13, 34 says this, a new command I give you, love one another. How? As I have loved you. Listen, this will change your relationships in, in, a, in, a, in a season, a short season. If you're a follower of Christ, God's called us to love people, whether you like them or not. In the same way that Christ loved you, we are to love them. You are to accept them completely. You're to love them unconditionally. Listen, so many homes are filled with, with, with judgment, with shame. If I make a mistake... I'm going to punish you by my attitude over the next two days. Or if you make a mistake, I'm going to punish you. Or if I do something that, that you don't like, husband and wife, we're not going to be intimate for, for a whole week because I'm still mad at you. You know what that's called? Manipulation and fear and control. God doesn't want our relationships to be like that. We are to accept people unconditionally. We're to forgive them totally. When, when someone says, listen, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and you say, I forgive you, that resets the standard of the relationship. Yes, there was a violation. I get it. Now, if, if, it's, if it's something that's just normal relational, if, it, if it's infidelity and all of that, yeah, th listen, there, there, are, there are some things of trust you're going to have to gain back. So don't try to manipulate that or use that to get someone to do what you want them to do. But this whole reality of daily relational things that we go through in marriage and church, listen, I'm going to screw up. When I say, listen, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? When you say, I forgive you, it means our relationship. The standard has been reset, and we move forward together. This should be in our, relation, in our family with our children. And we're to consider the people we love extremely valuable. Jesus said you're to love everyone the same way that he loves us. And this will, this will turn your relationships around. So what does all this mean? This means this, I must accept people the way that Jesus accepts me. 
I must love people the way that Jesus loves me. I must forgive people the way that Jesus forgives me. And I must value people the way that Jesus values me. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.